Good afternoon, church. It's this time when we get together and worship our Lord Jesus Christ through turning our attention to the Bible, to the Word of God. This, morning, this afternoon, I will bring you title, uh, the message titled, Breaking Busy, Finding Rest in Jesus. And it's kind of ironic because we have to go quickly. And uh, park just uh, quickly on the abiding and on the rest. And when we need to move forward, I only have about 35 minutes, so we need to get going. But we're going to read John 15, verses 1 to 11, and we'll park there for a while. Um, We live in a very busy time, a very busy place. California, one of the busiest places on the face of the earth. You are probably busy, swamped by the duties, by responsibilities that you put upon yourselves, people put upon your, your, and you're, you may feel like you're drowning in the emails and text messages, responsibilities, your uh, duties, and you feel like you're inadequate. My point is today of the sermon that you are inadequate and you should rest in Christ. Uh, Kevin Dion in his book on Crazy Busy, he said if Jesus would live here today, he would be probably swamped by emails alone. Everybody want to email Jesus, right? And how would he manage his life and his ministry? But as we go and look in John 15, and we read this word, we'll see that Christ alone, Christ alone, through faith alone, provides rest that is totally peaceful and that is totally adequate and is enough for us. Let's read John 15. I am the vine, the true vine, And my father is the wine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. This is the reading of God's word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for providing for us rest in Jesus. Make our minds to understand, comprehend, and surrender. Surrender to Christ in everything that we do. And that would be the point of rest when we find ourselves completely satisfied in Christ, in Christ alone. We can't do it unless you move us by faith, unless you grant us this faith and Glue us to Christ at any moment given of our lives. May you bless us, Lord. May you bless us not only to comprehend it with our minds, but also to practice it 
in our Christian walk. Bless us, Lord, and bless my abilities that are really inabilities and that you may move through us and in us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. This text and many other texts calls us really to one thing. You must rest in Christ. In this text, there's 11 verses and nine times the same idea appears. You must abide in me, Christ said. You must abide in Christ. And really, this is the first point of every Christian and Christianity. And this is the only point that we should rest in, abide in Christ. And if you hear anything that I would say and forget all things that I would, I would say and mention, you would come to this chapter. Remember this. We are called to rest in Jesus by faith. And we are not called to strive for our perfection. Please don't strive for your perfection in Jesus Christ, outside of Jesus Christ at all. Jesus Christ is calling us to come to a complete rest in him. And you would say, that's strange. Are you calling us to do nothing in Jesus Christ? And I would say priority-wise, yes, first thing, foremost, he's calling us to abide and to rest. Now, there's a mystery about our sanctification process, don't you think? Uh, among all the doctrines that are clearly presented in the Bible, how to get sanctified is the hard one. We are battling, and that's why sometimes we feel very, very burdensome that we do so many things for Jesus. Do try to sanctify our life. Do try to produce fruit for God. Do try to, to be fruitful of the Spirit. Do try to bring glory to God. Do amazing and glorious things for God. And then you will feel dissatisfied, broken, and we feel the failure. Well, because this is the reality of our lives. The reality of our lives, like Paul in, John, in Romans 7, he says, he says, for I am doing, for what I'm doing, I do not understand. For I'm not practicing what I would like to do. But I'm doing the very things I hate. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is my flesh, in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not, but I practice the very evil what I do not want. This is the reality check. You listen sermon after sermon, how to be triumphant in your Christian life. And you are encouraged to walk in your Christian life in a victory and triumphant. You're walking in the spirit, doing all this glorious thing and successful in your sanctification. And you're thrilled and so encouraged. But by the time you're walking out of this door and enter into the broken world, and you are broken human with sin in parts and dwell in every part of your human being, you feel totally as failure. Well, because you are. This is the point. We are failures. We are losers. We are enabled. We can't do nothing apart from Jesus Christ. And at the moment we think that now we can, we lose the perspective, which is really the gospel. Luther picks on this in his bondage of will. He says about speaking that this is a normal experience for Christianity to fail at your sin. In fact, God wants you to fail so that you could rely not on yourself but on God. How many sins you try to, to conquer and only failure after a while again. And God is teaching you that you can't do it on your own. You can't do it in your own. There's no ability in yourself. You need to come back 
to Christ. And Calvin says, what appears to be an utter defeat and humiliation before man is actually the power and the victory of God on display. How does sanctification work? You know, when we come to justification, it's so obvious. We can't do nothing. We're dead. We just need the grace of God. We need Christ alone, by faith alone, and we add nothing to it. And the moment we add anything to it, we mess the whole thing up. But when we come to our sanctification, we say we can. Now, we're not going to go to all the details because there are many passages that God calls us to be holy and things. But I'm pointing out what is the priority of your life? What is the direction of your life? What is the focus of your life supposed to be? And I would submit to you that the focus of your life should be coming back to Jesus, confessing your total inability. And only then, only then, we could go and move to productivity and the glory of God. Our goal is not sanctification. Our goal is faith in Jesus Christ. It's not that we want to be holy and that is at the top of the list. And if you make it at the the top of the list, you will fail because you would put the law upon yourself that you cannot bear. We need to come back to Jesus and say we are unable. Should we strive for holiness, for peace and, and joy and the rest of the stuff? Yes, but not as a priority. My point is not as a priority. Gospel teaches us Not to be go-getter and get-it-done type of people, but to be submissive, totally surrendered to Jesus. And you might feel like you're calling us to do nothing, and I am. At the very beginning, fundamentally, when we come to Christ, that is exactly what he's asking us to do. But this is not what the modern Christianity preaches. This is not what we, we want to hear What we used to hear is theology of triumphalism, theology of glory, theology of total victory over sin. It's like almost, it's like possible, right? You should do this and you should do this. How do I achieve success in our our churches? By adding more people, by adding more hype, more programs and stuff. How do you achieve your personal sanctification? Often is by self-improvement, and it doesn't seem too much different from Mormons and, and Muslims. And if we compare our sanctification to them, we fail because they're doing a lot better. They don't even drink coffee, guys. No Pepsi-Cola for them, and they're doing pretty good. And if we are driving and striving ourselves to the perfection, we will lose even if we try really hard. And this is how God works. He wants us to come to the cross. Listen, there is a one, the least expected place in the whole history of the world that you would expect God to appear. It was on the hill of Calvary. You would never expect God appear on the Calvary dying men because we see success as strength, Powerful, impressive, impressive ministry, impressive preaching, great personalities, programs, and so on. And we are amazed by it. And we think that this is where the power of God is. No, the power of God is at the cross in very admission that you can't do nothing. You can move a finger. You can't progress in your sanctification an inch. And if you're honest about it, you just had your resolutions, right? New Year's resolutions, and, and f- some of us already failed. It's already failed. Some of you doomed to fail. 
And if you think that you can accomplish them, you're deceived. You think that this is how you progress in your sanctification? Christ on the cross is what impressive for God. It's not us with our abilities. It's not us with our fruitfulness. It's not us with our deeds of glory. It is Christ in Christ alone. God is satisfied with Christ on the cross, and that is all that is satisfied in. And if you are in Christ, he's satisfied in you. The cross is the solution. The cross turned all things upside down. The way up to glory is the way down to humility. The way to impress God is to admit your total inability to impress him. The way to success is through failure. The way to life is through death. The way to experience God's grace is through suffering. Gospel says, in order to be acceptable in God's eyes, we must come to Jesus by faith and cease striving to impress him otherwise. You must believe in Christ who paid for your sins and only Christ could sanctify you as well. And by this faith, we're really saying two things. I'm not able. And you are able. I'm not able. I'm not the place. I'm not the man. I'm not the one. I don't have the abilities. We admit by our faith, by saying, I believe in Jesus, we say, I can't. I can't. But you can. And throughout the the Bible, he teaches us the same things. The same things. Like he says in chapter 15, abide in me. Rest in me. Cease striving. Rest in me. I'll give you a couple of examples. Psalm 46.10. It says, cease striving and know that I am God. There are two things. He's talking to the nation saying, hey, cease fire. You can't do nothing about me. Cease fire. Stop fighting with me. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be. Stop striving. Trust. And he's talking to Jews and to Israel that, hey, don't worry. Rest in me and trust me. I will work for you. And I will give you peace from all around. Psalm 62.1. My soul find rest in God. When? Only at salvation? No, find rest at all the time. My salvation comes from him. Verse 5 of the same psalm says, yes, my soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from him. Hebrews 4, 9 and 10. This is the key to understanding the whole Hebrew passages that we've been studying before. Chapter 4, 9 and 10 says, so there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God to enter. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. The whole point of Christianity is to come to rest. Why? To stop working? No, to remain in rest of Christ. Are you busy? I'm busy. But often this business produces nothing but garbage. But garbage. We're called by God, by Jesus, to rest and to park in Jesus once for all, never to move out from him, and never to strive for your perfection. The moment you would strive to your perfection, you would leave Christ, and that would be it. And the lesson would be learned again that you can't. Now, this word, we're going to look from remaining time from two aspects, abiding in Christ, resting in Christ, And we're going to look from the standpoint of Jesus that he is the only one who provides. He is 
the place of rest. He is the place of rest. And for us, he's not only the place for, uh, for rest, but also the second point is that it's priority of rest. He is the place of rest where we find rest, and he is the priority of rest. And this is where we end up. Often we treat Jesus like rest area after a long drive on freeway. We park for half an hour, take a break, and we're moving on. Jesus said, don't treat me like rest area. Park there. Abide in me. I told you nine times in these verses, rest. The word abide really means remain. Don't go anywhere. Just stay there. It's like the tree. And the, the illustration is here is really a plant. It's not like a plant rooted in the ground. You don't move anywhere. If you move the plant, you're going to break it. Rest in me like a plant. This word abiding, meaning to stay in a simple place for a long time, in the same house, in the same place forever. The idea is not to, to move around, to jump around from one to another, but rest in me. And he says that I am the point of rest. I am the point of rest. How? He says, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. Now, Jesus is our point of rest. This is where we come and we never leave him. We stay there. He he cares all of things. He is all-inclusive passage. We don't have to move anywhere else from place to place, place because in Jesus, we find total peace and comfort. Now, he gives us a reason. He says, I am the true vine as compared to the not true vines. And disciples, as they listen at this, at this time, right before crucifixion, they remember that this, there's another vine, another uh, vine illustrated in the Bible in Isaiah chapter 5 is Israel. Israel is the vine. Israel is the vine that was supposed to produce the pleasing fruits for God. The glory of God with all its temples, sacrifices, and priests. He was supposed to produce the pleasing for God. But Jesus said, that vine produced only bad grapes, sour grapes. Nothing good from that vine is not a true vine because it cannot please God. I'm the true vine. Because I please God and everything that I do, I do it for him perfectly. I could satisfy God like Israel would never do. No other religion could satisfy it. I am the one. I get it done. Me, I, true vine, Jesus says. I am the real deal. I could produce the joy of God. I could produce the fruits that would be pleasant in the mouth of God. He likes it. I'm the true vine in comparison to the bad vines and untrue vine. And I'm the true vine. I prove to you because I have relations with my father. He said, and my father is the farmer. He is the one who planted me. I'm planted in God alone, in God the father. I am. You may remember that in John 1.18, he says that, Jesus called himself that he's at the bosom of the Father. He's the planted right at the nearest place of God. In John 14, 10, he said, do not believe that I am in the Father. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? I am in the Father. He is in me. I'm planted in him. My roots are in the Father. And I take everything from him and bring him down. I am the true vine. In John 6, 57, he says, the living father sent me and I live because of the father. Jesus Christ take his roots in the father. The life flows from the father to Jesus. And that is why he is the only place. He's the only point that could give you this rest, production, 
glory, and so on. Jesus is the true vine. And because he's true vine, he says, I could produce in you things. Notice how this text doesn't say that you should do things. The only thing, command, is that to abide in Jesus. That is all. The rest of it, Jesus said, I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to take care of the rest of the things. And notice what things. He said, listen, in verse 2, if you, don't, if you abide in me, Father will actually prune you. You know the sins that you're trying to get rid of? Father does that. He prunes you. It's not you. Father does it. He said in verse 3, you're already clean. Because if you abide in me, I will clean you up. It's not you cleaning yourself up. I am cleaning it up. Your focus solely should be on me clinging to Jesus and trusting in him more and more, going deeper, deeper in the root system and plunging in, in as a branch into the vine. That is all your focus. The rest of the stuff I'll do. He said, when you're attached to me, you will bear much fruit. Chapter 15, verse 5. Much. If you focus on the fruit, you will not produce a thing. If you focus on Jesus, Jesus will produce the fruit. It's not you who produces fruit. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You can't do a thing. And you have to admit it every morning and after afternoon. And even my preaching right now, it's not by me. I could accomplish nothing good in the flesh. Verse 7, he says, when you are touching Christ, you will pray and you're answered. And prayer would be answered. It's not that you pray so much and so hard. People say, well, pray for me, please. Like if I have some kind of special access to Jesus, you know, I could pray him up and that he would wear him up and he will give me something because I have some kind of standing with him. No. He said, if you abide in me, if you admit your inability, if you admit your total dependence on me, if you surrender in me, anything you ask, I will then give it to you. I will ask my father. He will grant it to you. You see the direction. Verse 8, when you attach to Jesus, you will glorify the Father. By bearing much fruit, which is not up to you, it's from the Spirit. You're clinging to the, Father, to the Son. You are attaching to Him. He produces much fruit. The glory goes to the Father. If you, if, you, if you put your attention on glorifying the Father, you would lose. Because you can't. And the last one, when you attach to Jesus, you will be joyful. How many times you say, well, I'm going to be joyful today, right? And you fail because you can't. It's not up to you. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. How does it happen? It happens when you totally submit to the Son. Say, I can't do nothing. He produces new cleansiness. He takes away the sort of, of twigs that, that just suck in you up, in your life up. He does produces cleansiness by the word of God. He does produce fruitfulness. The fruitfulness produces the glory of God. And the glory of God produces joy. Both of the Father and you. So what is the point? The point says, Jesus, I'm the true vine because I can't produce the real deal, the real satisfaction of the Father by myself, and I could produce it in you. So what do you respond? Trust. Trust me. Trust me on this one. Don't try to run around and do things on your own accord. Don't try to improve yourself. You will not be better than Muslims. What's the distinction of Christianity? You admit that you can't. The moment you admit that you can, you're going the wrong direction away from Jesus. 
So this is about Jesus. He's a true vine. Who are we? Well, we're the branches and what is our priority? Our priority is Jesus. So if he is the real deal, if he is the place of grace, a place of rest, a place of the things that flow and overflow and empowering of the spirit, the sap flows from him to us, then what, who are we? We are the branches. And our job is really to abide in him. In other words, abiding meaning keep trusting him. Keep on trusting him. Don't move from trust to anything else. Keep on trusting him. The branches must rest in Jesus, and that is our priority. The place of grace is Christ. He is divine. The priority for Christians is abiding. You know, it's so hard to rest on Jesus. It's so easy to go and do things for Jesus, but it's so hard to rest in him. Some people say, well, resting feels like doing nothing. Well, yes, in a sense, but not exactly. It's turning all your attention away from self-effort to admitting that you can't. And that requires a lot of effort. To sit at the place, at the feet of Jesus and admit and confess that you're a broken man, that you can't produce a thing. It requires a lot of energy and it also not of your own. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you can't do it, you might not be born again. And if you can't do it, you probably miss out on the great deal of sanctification. Jesus said, abide in me. You have one devotion and you have one direction. What is this abiding? It's a devotion on Christ. And it's a direction that has Christ in. It's the focus on Christ. Abide in me, meaning that completely devote to me. And Jesus said, listen, if you abide in me, I'm abiding in you. If you devoted to me and to me alone, I'm devoted to you alone, period. I'm devoted and I'm not going to scatter and then take you and drop you somewhere else and sometimes come back to you. No, I will never leave you nor forsake you like the branch feeds uh, off the vine, I will do that. You could trust me on that. The Lord will not abandon his people. He will remain with them. He will not forsake his inheritance. Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. Jesus said, I trust, I'm promising you. Bank on this promise. I'm not leaving you. I'm with you. So in the same way, have a devotion. Have a focus on Christ and Christ alone. Not something else, Christ alone. Not the things from Christ, but Christ alone. Not the production of Christ, but Christ alone. Person, that's what the focus is. John 6, 26, when Jesus fed many people and people are looking for him and he said, you're looking for me because you ate the bread and was satisfied that that's why you're looking for me. You're not looking for me. If you were looking for me, you would realize I am the bread of life. I am the one. And they people said, listen, okay, we're moving from that point to what should we do to do the works of God? And Jesus, well, believe. And that's not your work. It's the work of the Father. All you have to do is believe. That's what Jesus told them. And they were missing the productivity. And what should we do? What should we do for Jesus? Instead of Jesus said, well, you just have to believe. And that's not up for you. It's, it's from me. I'm plugging you in. I chose you. I pick you up. Father gave it to me, you. And so if 
If that is true, you will be plugged in. You know, people focusing on what they could do for God. What can we do for Jesus, right? I think that's a wrong focus. We should be focusing on how much we could trust in Jesus that he could do things for us. Martha was distracted with Jesus in her house. Can you imagine that? She missed on Jesus in her own house. How often we're missing on Jesus in our Bibles as we're reading. Isaiah 64, 4 says, interesting thing, that God is unique. God, God is unique like no one else. And the way how he unique is not that he is so impressive in power. Not only that, but there's one uniqueness about God that nowhere else found in any religion. That every religion requires you working for God. And Isaiah 64, 4 says, For from the days of old they have not heard or perceived by ear, nor has they seen a God beside you who acts in behalf of the one who waits for him. You know what it means? He said, don't do anything for me because you can't. Let me work for you. And when I'm working, that's power. That's miracle. That is grace. That is productivity. That is fruit and that is glory. And that leads you to joy. I mean, he tells us why. Why shouldn't you do that in in Isaiah 64, verse 5? Then he said, for all of us have become like one of the unclean. And all of our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment. We think like, yeah, that was before the cross. Right now we could do. Well, no, you can't. And he who could produce in you, let God work in you and through you and not you. John Kennedy, in his inauguration speech, he asked this question. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. And we're bringing this mentality back to the Bible and thinking, don't ask what God could do for you. What can you do for God? And the answer is, Nothing good. Admit your inability. That is what Jesus is saying. Take up your cross and follow me. Daily take up your cross. What are you, what are you showing by you taking your cross? What are you showing? When you're taking your cross, you're walking after Jesus. You're saying, I'm as good as a dead man. I'm as good as a dead man. I can't produce nothing. All my faith is not in me and in you. How often we miss faith and misunderstand faith with faithfulness. We look at our track record of how we've been trusting Jesus. And we rely in our sanctification process, Christian walk, and that we're doing pretty good because we will have a track record of faithful to Jesus. That's not what the hope is. The hope is and security is not in your faithfulness. For your faithfulness is garbage. It's not good enough. God. It's faith in Jesus Christ, and the faith is admission that you're not good. Years ago, I was, I joined the club. I wanted to jump from the aircraft with a parachute. And I joined the the club, and they have us um, go through the course of learning about things, and and pretty much it was boring. Everything was boring. We're just sitting there. There was a four-month course. You know, twice a week we have to go before we jump three times. That was a freebie three times. And so, but there's one thing that everybody paid attention really, really well. Everyone was really into it. And, and they said, at the end of the course, you're going to jump from the aircraft, but you're going 
you're going to fold your own parachute and you're going to jump with it. And so everyone worked really carefully. I did like, I, I don't know how many times I folded, probably a hundred times, just like folding it, you know, packing it, calling the instructor, am I doing right? And so finally I did it. And then I, you know, at the day of, of, of the whole, you know, thing that we sit in the aircraft and we're just flying in, everyone is just dead quiet. Everybody is just really, really silent. Nobody cracking jokes. And so, and I have this parachute on the back of my, my shoulder and I'm ready to jump. And I say, well, honestly, my trust is not in my parachute right now because I'm really not sure if I did a good job. But praise be to God that I have this spare parachute that was folded by the instructor who did about 100, you know, 50, uh, 500, time, 500 jumps. And he did it really carefully. So when I was stepping off this aircraft, it was really, really scary. And I was thinking, well, if this doesn't work, I know what will. There's another parachute. And, and whatever happened, when I'm, maybe I'm unconscious, but at 400 feet, it just like automatically will open it up. Oh, so my hope was really, I was working really hard and my hope was on my works, but really not because I needed some backup. Sometimes we take this to Christianity. We're going to do everything possible for our sanctification, but we have a backup, Jesus. You know, he will take care of us. No, he said, don't do that. Come to me at first place. Rest in me. Trust me. Don't work. I will work through you. That's the focus of your abiding. But there's also the direction. Do you feel sometimes you're busy doing and working for God? And you're so busy that at the end of a couple of months, you feel like you really don't feel connection to Jesus. You kind of lost your vibe, uh, relationship. Something's not working. And you come back. And you repent and you just have your devotion. Uh, this is what I think what happens. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it says that we are in a race. We are in a race. It says, let us with endurance, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The question is, where are you going? That's a good question to ask. In your Christian life, where are you running? Sometimes I feel like I'm running somewhere else for the glory of Jesus to do his work. And Jesus is at the back. And I have to kind of look back and say, well, well fix your eyes on Jesus, right? And I'm, I'm kind of straight in two different directions. That doesn't work. It's not good. Some people are running for endurance. Okay, they're going to be strong and, and, and courageous. Some people are just running, you know. I've seen people running all over the place. They're just running. They, some people are running to lose their weight. But I tell you... I like one particular running. When I come home, uh, my little one runs to me. She runs and screams like she never saw me or saw me like a couple of months ago. She was like, Papa. And she jumps on me. She's running to me. I think that's what kind of running is expressed here. When you fix your eyes on Jesus, you're not going anywhere else from Jesus, for Jesus, with Jesus. You're running back to Jesus, admitting that all you need is Jesus. And he got you back. Got you back. See, Jesus is not only the motivation in your Christian walk. He is the destination 
of your Christian walk. He's not only motivating you to run for God, he is also your destination. If you miss on the destination, you're going to end up somewhere else. You must enter the rest. Should you leave the rest? Should you enter when you need the rest? Jesus said, abide in me. Abide in the word that I told you. And I told you that you should abide in me. That's the word. Abide in my commandments. What is my commandment? Abide in me. And then you will be able to abide in commandments and love your brother. But first, abide in me. Abidance meaning that you have your eyes on Jesus, you focus on Jesus, and you're completely dependent on him because he can. It says that without faith, is it impossible to please him? Without faith, is it impossible to please him? If you're doing anything not by faith, and faith is admitting that you can't do nothing, and that God is doing through Christ all, then you're not pleasing to God. You can't please God in anything that you have. Don't miss the productivity with the person. Don't miss the faithfulness with faith. Don't miss the fruitfulness with the one who gives you rest. Abiding in Christ is living with the sphere of Christ. The battle is not about doing, but about believing. It is battling while while we believe. Because of our remaining corruption, we will fail. Because of our failure, we will doubt. What we require in this moment is not assurance of God's benevolence. Only the gospel of Christ can provide this. Trust not in your own understanding. Trust not in your faithfulness. Trust not in your repentance. But trust solely in Christ and in Christ alone. Forget your aspiration for usefulness. Forget your cry for glorious things. Forget about your fruitfulness for a moment. Don't pray to God about your mighty being used mightily for a moment. But confess your total worldliness and inability. Admit that you're Heart is infected by Adam's sin. Confess that apart from grace, even now you would be condemned to hell and accept it. Accept the grace as the means of assurance. Be still and know that I am God. Augustine said this, Thou has made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. Victory for Christian is the exact opposite than for the worldly man. The absence of personal confidence, constant struggling with sin, which leads us to only one place, the cross of Jesus Christ. This experience leads us to Christ himself. It is only then, when we admit our total dependence on him, we can have victory over sin in our lives, and only then we We can produce the fruit of righteousness. It is only then we're free ourselves, when we free ourselves from ourselves, to have cling to Christ as the only source of power and ability to do anything right. We just sang the song. I rejoice in my Redeemer, greatest treasure, wellspring of my soul. I will trust in him. No other, my soul is satisfied in him 
alone. I will not boast in wealth or might or human wisdom fleeting light, but I will boast in knowing Christ at the cross. Father, gracious to be abound in Jesus, rest in him for all the time, here now in eternity. To him be the glory. Amen.